millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of the Evening Standard and David Walker of the Daily Mirror. The players are semi-detached. The fans are in revolt. The directors are complacent. This is Arsenal's worst run for 22 years, yet despite it all, Arsene Wenger looks likely to stay. This isn't going to end well, is it, Tony? Well, it's not going to end by the looks of it, is it? You know, as you say, it's going to rumble on and on. Uh, he, he wants to. He said he wants to manage for another four years. He's, he wants to do it in London. He's 67. He doesn't want to up and move anywhere. He, I'm inclined to believe he'll stay, but that puts us in a, in a real sense of crisis, the club, in a real sense of crisis, because they're going to lose. He bet the last part of his Arsenal career on Erzal and Sanchez. They haven't worked out for them. Uh, who knows where they'll end up next year because they can't see Arsenal paying their wages that they're looking for. And th- there's plenty of players like Oxlade-Chamberlain who won out there. It's a rebuilding job for someone. In fact, no, it's a, build- a building job right from the bottom up because Ven- it's Wenger's edifice and someone's going to have to come in at some point and clear house and start again. I've, but, you know, it's, uh, I can't see how it, it will... I-, I think it's going to rumble on, rumble on very badly. Now, there's nothing that brings out my inner vigilante more than planes flying over football grounds with various banners on. Now, we had the conflicting Wenger in, Wenger out banners on Saturday. That just screams, we need to get this sorted. There needs to be clarity. Will we get it? Yes, I I think Wenger's going to stay. But I think the whole whole situation, what's been allowed to... Well, the season's degenerated for them. In a football club, you need certainty, you need consistency. What have Arsenal created with all this over the last few months? Totally inconsistent attitude to what's going on and a, a degree of uncertainty, not just around Wenger, but I know of people on his backroom staff who are thinking, well, where does this leave me? It's, it's OK, Arsene, discussing, oh, I will decide when I decide and I will tell you when I've decided... But their contracts run out. So what happens to them? What happens to a whole scouting network that's been built up? You know, there are there are huge areas of that club that would be affected, particularly if he was to move away. You'd also say those areas are also under scrutiny because it's not looking like a very healthy club at the moment, no. given the players they've recruited and also the players they've missed. So I think there's a lot of areas that do need reviewing. But the underlying belief I've got, Mike, is, and it's been there for months, 
the Arsenal hierarchy have always wanted Arsene Wenger to sign that two-year deal, mm. and I think he'll do it now. What about the players? Now, if you look at that performance at, at West Brom, and you, and you can't judge that in isolation because it, it's consistent over the last sort of six to eight weeks. No basics, no discipline. It suggested to me that the players have stopped listening to him. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, the worst, the maddest thing is, uh, early on in the season, I thought they had the best shape of any team in the Premier League and foolishly lulled myself into a false sense of security and thought they might win it, win the title. And it's just, they've just fallen apart. Uh, you can see people not putting the effort in. You see, they don't want to get involved in um, any physical battles. You know, the worst moment for me, and it summed up Arsenal, was in the Lincoln game in the Cup. There were two long breaks in the first half uh, through injury. And during those long breaks, two Arsenal players went to the sidelines. I think it was Bellerin and um, Oxlade-Chamberlain. They had a conversation there. But the rest of them, the, the other nine Arsenal players, stood stock still in position and never spoke to each other. No communication. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, all the Lincoln players were, were, were pointing, were gesticulating, were talking to each other how they could do things. And they looked like a team. Arsenal Sweet didn't so. look like a team. But, but don't you think, Tony, I, I, I use this as, a, as an analogy, the comparison with something that we've seen and you'd think Arsenal would have learned from it. In 2001 summer, Alex Ferguson said, this will be my last year, I'm going to retire at the end mm. of this. The state of flux that created, and by Alex's own admission, the biggest mistake he ever made, mm. and of course, he, by the February, he reversed it. But as he said, players switched off. The boss yeah. wasn't going to be the boss anymore. Mm. So who were they responding to? If you were out of contract, who was going to decide about your contract? The whole thing ended up in a complete mess and Manchester United sliding down the table. And you can see history repeating itself. Absolutely. You know, you've got Aaron Ramsey, basically, he's been on holiday since he helped mm. Wales in the Euros. You know, he's, yeah. he's failed badly. You've got Walcott, who's now being kicked out by Gareth Southgate, of all mm. people. You've got um, a midfield which really isn't fit for purpose at the moment. Where are we going to end up with this? The, we're going to look at a summer transfer splurge mm. to, a, to uh, assuage the fans, but everyone else is going to be doing that anyway. Are Arsenal in more trouble than they realise? Well, I think so. And, you know, you look at the players that Wenger's brought in, they spent a lot of money last, last summer, nearly £90 million. And, you know, uh, the, the likes of Xhaka, who hasn't panned out at all, you know, and you, you, you look at that. And it, one of the things is he recruits the wrong sort of players. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no fight, there's no hurt in them. And that comes from the top, that comes from the, the, the manager. And it, it's, there's, a, there's, a, a, there's a vacuum in, in Arsenal. And it's created by, there's no leadership above Wenger. Mm. Wenger's allowed to do whatever he likes. He, he, have you ever seen a club where the manager decides where he goes, not when the board say, no, this is run out of control? It's, um, it's a very unusual set of circumstances. I think, I think the other thing is, Tony, you've touched on there, but I think it is a really big issue for them going forward. There is a view that Stan Kroenke and his son, who were very involved in the policies going forward, even though they stay out of the limelight, there is a view that a lot of their supporters in the hierarchy want a much more statistical, analytical-driven mm. scouting setup, which we've seen mm. from other American owners, yeah. etc., and in American well, they've sport. they've actually purchased the company. A absolutely. Mm. So they want to go that way, as opposed to what we would see the old-fashioned... You see people, you check them out. It's what you see with your eyes, not what you're seeing in black and white mm. as the statistics. Mm. And maybe somewhere in between the two is, is the smart way. My point being, I can see this collision between what has been the traditional way 
In fact, I think the collision's already started to happen. I think it can only get worse going forward because, mm. and if we forget this, Arsenal finished second last year. They weren't some rubbing rags. It was like, you finished second, what are we going to do now to kick on and win the league? And you actually look what has been allowed to happen. It's crazy. Mm. And you know where we are at the moment, if you, if you look at Arsenal, you've got uh, probably also a goalkeeper in decline. You've got uh, a defence which, under pressure, switches off. There aren't very many positives that you can do. And as you say, you've got to build. If you're going to go in again, you've got to build from the bottom. Now, it's interesting that you know, the reports in Germany that Thomas Tuchel has been uh, approached have been denied quite strenuously by Arsenal. But surely, if they're looking to the club's long-term future, they're going to have to do some, some, some sort of succession planning, aren't they? Well, yeah, they've only just started thinking about it. That's one of the big issues that it's, uh, of the last five years. No one's thought about the succession, as if Wenger's going to be there forever. And if they're talking to Tuchel now, it seems a bit strange because it looks like Wenger's going to stay. You know, there should be someone internally that they have trying to develop and bring through. But Steve Bowles is obviously has no power at all, and Wenger's so hands-on with everything. There is there is no one inside that you'd think would would stay in a post-Wenger world. Don't forget though. If Manchester United had lost Fergie, there was every chance that Sven was going to be the Manchester United manager. <laughs> yeah. So history, history would have been changed. But, but you're right, Tony. I, I, I've, I've honestly got this underlying belief they've thought Wenger was going to stay all along. And mm. I noticed in a, a, a guy with a really good knowledge, in many years' knowledge of Arsenal, is Steve Stammers of the Sunday Mirror. Mm. And Steve actually wrote two months ago that he expected this to come to a head at the international break yeah. at the yeah. end of March. And I remember him thinking, how the hell have they got that? And yet, weirdly, and maybe mm. coincidentally, we're going into the international fortnight and Arsenal are now going to bring this to a head. So do you think we'll get a decision this week? I think we're going to get a decision and I think it will be presented as Fengus thought it all through and he wants to stay. Yeah. So if we live in the, the era of you know, highly magnified managers, let's look at Pep Guardiola and... Manchester City. Give me your progress report. Well, uh, very little really. Um, he's taken over a club that needs rebuilding and he's tried to put a, he's got a great forward line, uh, issues everywhere else, but he's tried to, he's tried to do it his way and I'm, I'm not so sure he's learned in his first three quarters of the season in the Premier League that he can't play the way he wants to play in England. Because Personnel or just philosophy? No, I think the philosophy. I think there's a flaw there, and I think there's a flaw in the club that you can see, which is mm. this: at Barcelona, and I'm saying this to people around him and Chiki Begiristan mm. helping to sign players. They have a belief in this is a Barcelona way, and we'll deal with this. We will attack things. He has been fortunate, Pep, in that the clubs he's managed, he has inherited an awful lot of world-class players mm. who have actually had a, a stable, established way of play and he's embellished it. But if you think, now this is the key for me, if the owners of Manchester City want to sort of Harlem Globetrotters, this is fun, this could end up 4-4, or we could win 4-3, or we could lose 5-4, but it's going to be spectacular, then what we're seeing, Pep's the man for that. Mm. If you're thinking, as has been presented by them in the past, this is a club we want to see as the kings of Europe, the plan is to win the Champions League, the way what we're seeing now 
is not a team that's ever going to win the Premier League and certainly won't win the Champions League because a team with more cunning, better defenders, etc. Mm. will pick them off. Now, as I say, if Pep and, and the club's owners are happy with the plan, then the plan will work along his lines. Mm. But it is not what we've always thought the Manchester City owners were buying the club to do. Because, you know, we're talking about a team there, David, but actually it's half a team, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's um, a very ragged half a team at that. Uh, front five are great. The front five agrees. But the problem is, if you play a front five and effectively a back four with one person in the midfield, you're going to get swamped. So, I mean, we, we saw the bizarre sight of Kevin De Bruyne dropping really deep and sitting mm -hmm. into an almost holding position there. And it's not going to work. You know, it's the, the, the reality. And what, what, what amazes me, um, I mean, Pep has got a reputation of a genius. You know, and to a certain extent, same you can say a Klopp. They come over to the Premier League and they're stunned. They're always saying the same thing. Oh, you know, it's like uh, uh, the Premier League's different. You compete for the first ball, you win the second ball. And you're okay. Yeah, it is. I mean, I remember Rafa Benitez saying the same thing mm. in a shock manner in 2004. Mm. You know, it's one of them. So they haven't picked up on that in all these mm. years. And yet, what what the older thinks, he thinks, yeah, I don't have to play that way. No. I can play my way. Tony, the other thing that got me with this, the whole, this whole pep experiment at the moment, is this. Some really smart minds, some, some of the greatest managers there's ever been, back to the Paisleys of this world, worked out, you get your goalie, you get your defence side mm -hmm. out, and it can be as Chelsea yeah. doing a back three or a back four, whatever. You get that sorted as your platform, so on the days when you don't play well, and it's a really pump yeah. and you might be playing away, it is going to be nil against you. And that is the platform that great teams are built of. Then, if you start enhancing it with the Dalgleishes and the Soonuses of this world, you end up with this team that mm. takes you on to a different level. What throws me with this lot is this debate, for instance, right back to, OK, you've, there's an issue with Joe Hart. He didn't like Joe as a fella, seen him in the touch, uh, down the tunnels shouting, all this routine. Mm. But to think that with all the money they've got, he's sorted his goalkeeper out, he's mm. crazy. So mm. th there's real weaknesses, there's flaws there. And I, honestly, if they don't sort that out, I don't see how they can achieve success. But with success. the goalkeeping, he made the classic mistake of going for second or third best. You know? Yeah. I, I'd been told all summer that Tosagan from Barcelona was his first choice yeah. and he wanted to come. Yeah. Didn't happen. No. Where we are with City now, um, do you look at them and say to yourself, he can get it right, but we've got to give him time? Or do you just say, this isn't going to work? Well, they're going to give him time. They're going to give him a lot of time because they've built the club in his image to go forward. Um, I think there's a couple of concerns that I have for him. I mean, he doesn't like senior players. He doesn't like to be challenged. So uh, Joe Hurt, we've talked about, has gone out mm. the door. Uh, Vincent Company is in his bad books and, um, and can't get a game. In that defence, you know, I know he's injured an awful lot, but you know, he, 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 he's fit enough to play now. Um, you know, he's <laughs> he, he wants Aguero to do more. You know, he wants he wants Aguero to chase down three defenders and close three defenders. And I mean, it might just be me, but I'm thinking, wouldn't it be better saving some of that energy for when he's got goal scoring well, chances? As he's got seven and seven anyway, he's not doing too bad. Right, no, I, I think well, the other thing is, though, Matt, as well, just said one thing. They don't like the criticism that Barcelona team, and I just say this mm. isn't just Pep, but the degree of which the 
British media are putting them through mm. and just challenge them, say, hang on, this yeah. doesn't make sense. And, you know, we've seen other teams, we've seen great teams be built. They don't like that analysis and, and, the, and the demands that we make and, and the criticism they face through it. And it's got to be said, you mentioned about will it work. Manchester City have invested so much in that whole Spanish infrastructure around mm. the coaching, the technical staff, the backup staff. It's got to work. And they will give them, I mean, we know, they are probably now the richest club in the world in terms of they'll just create a sponsorship to pay for whatever they want. Mm. So they can make the rules as they go along if they choose to. He's just got to get more things right than he gets wrong. And, and that's the challenge. I think, I think UEFA will, will be onto that, though, if they try to do that. I think uh, there is a, a great will uh, uh, you know, in uh, Switzerland to stop them doing anything like there's, that. There's a lot of envy about English clubs around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With, you know, you talked about culture, Tony. Mm. Antonio Conte absolutely absorbed the culture almost immediately, mm. changed it slightly, 59 points out of the last 66 for Chelsea. Tells its own story. Yeah, I, and after the, um, after the Liverpool and Arsenal games in September, he looked shell-shocked. He looked like a man who didn't know where to go. He kept, without even being asked about it, he kept bringing up last year and saying, we finished 10th, we're going to finish 10th again. I thought, well, this fellow's not going to last long. Mm. He had a short sulk and then thought, well, what am I going to do? And he's come up with this system that works. And it's, I mean, there's nothing... There's nothing really, there's nothing particularly modern about it. There's nothing particularly philosophical about it. But he's put he's put square pegs and square holes, mm. and everyone works. And you know mm. he he runs as many yards as them on the touchline. But he man manages them. He's you know he's telling them where to, yeah, you drop in, stay there, and it's just it's just relentless from. And he's he's put together. I, I don't think any of us thought at the beginning of the season that this squad of players was good enough to win the league. And they've, they've walked away with it, you know. And it's, uh, I mean, you know, you, you can say, oh, they haven't had Europe. If this team were in Europe, they'd be winning in Europe too. Yeah. And, you know, Chelsea has a reputation, had a reputation, let's say, of being a place of, of whispers and moans. Mm. That's another thing that Conte's done. He's actually galvanised that whole group of very difficult players to a degree and almost unified them totally and he's a he's a very smart italian coach i mean he is he is what he is and mm. you know we've seen the basis of italian football and what and it's going back to we said they will sort out the defense they'll build a platform they get it right they nail it full enough roberto mancini did exactly the same when he went into manchester city mm. you know they are from a breed, and you could say, well, they'll reach a limit of you're not going to get fancy football long-term from that, but they do what you want them to do and what Chelsea needed. I've got to say, I think he's been blessed with one thing, that some of their biggest hitters, for instance, Frank Lampard and Didier Drogba, for instance, have left the building, yeah, and also you've seen the situation where it's accepted now that John Terry's not the player he was, but mm. again, Conte's been quite happy to have him around the place, and you mm. won't be surprised what do you think when he, he moves what on. Do you think, what, what would happen to John Terry, do you think? Well, I mean, look at the difference before go that, that far. Look at the difference between last year and this year. After they beat uh, Milton Keynes, uh, Tons in the uh, FA Cup in the fourth round, did the bombshell, I'm leaving Chelsea, basically forced Chelsea, brilliant PR move, forced Chelsea into giving him a new contract, none of those shenanigans this year, we've had no, no. you know, sort of, often around Terry there was a sort of, 
a rumble and discontent, let's say. Mm. And uh, we've heard none of it this year. So he's been put in his place. He knows where he is in the hierarchy. And other people have stepped in. What do you think will happen? I think he'll, uh, well, I think he'll move on in the summer. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he goes to the States. Uh, in the last transfer window, um, led to believe he was looking at a couple of Premier League clubs and thinking about that. There's a faint possibility one will come in for him in the summer, but I could imagine him going to America. Yeah, but Stoke were being mentioned, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Mark Hughes yeah. has confirmed that he'd try to get him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've got to say, I think John Terry, parking some of the other sides of his... Mm situation and the issues we've had over allegations of racism etc and problems around the club if you're looking at him as a foot he's probably been as good an English defender as mm. we've seen over the last 10-15 years as a senior pro he's very Absolutely. good with the kids as well I would say to you that I would have no hesitation in signing John Terry on a one-year deal if I was in a mid-range championship club uh, sorry Premier League club or an aspiring championship if you had a really big club like the Newcastles this year, mm. John Terry could have done a great job for them and help people get rally, uh, help people get promoted. He, he would have enjoyed getting back together with Rafa. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if we assume that Chelsea are the team we're measuring everyone by, mm. let's look at Tottenham. Now, Tottenham are playing in the FA Cup semi-final. They could prevent them doing the double. Will they? Uh, I think they've got a very, very good chance. Uh, they match up very well against them. Even the game where they got beat by Chelsea, early on, they, they, they created a lot of space behind the wing-backs. Mm. And Harry Kane drifted in there and caused problems there for them. And unfortunately, you know, will Kane be back for that? Hopefully. Uh, and and that will make a huge difference. Without Kane, no. With Kane, I think they can. Mm. Deli Alley, 11, in tw uh, 11 goals, 12 games. Stunning sort of improvement. It's that you hope he can keep going because... Um... The days of us talking about the golden generation in England are long gone and now you're looking at someone like Adele Alley and Harry Kane coming through and maybe we've got room for optimism there. I've got to say, I, I really think that the winners of that Chelsea-Tottenham semi will win the cup. I think mm. that either of those two would pick off the other two in the final. Definitely two strong defences. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Can you see them strengthening in the summer as well? There's talk about uh, Wilfred Zaha going there. Now, I can't quite see where he would fit. Mm, yeah, I think um, I think it'd take a couple of people to leave. I mean, they like Zaha. They've liked him for a while, and they think his pace will stretch defences. Um, but I'm, I'm like you. I'm not 100% sold. I think they will strengthen, but um, Tottenham's Tottenham's strengthened is often seem bizarre to the outsiders. Mm. Uh, they've got this new stadium to build. Uh, they're going into Wembley yeah. next year. They're definitely going to they need players. But what sort of players are they going to go for? You've got two things. One, the way Daniel Levy spends. And two, Pochettino's view on players coming in. He's another manager who doesn't like strong veteran players, who doesn't like experienced players, who might challenge him. So... He prefers to work with, with younger players, and that's not what Tottenham needs at the moment. No. And don't you think that I, I agree with you about Daniel's view of spending the money? Mm. He's very, very cautious. The only thing I'd say, he must be looking at spending, what was it, 50 million on Kevin Janssen and thinking, I've got my fingers burnt here. When I see Palace, Crystal Palace, talking up mm. Wilfred Zara as a £30 million player, <laughs> given what. There is no way Tottenham are going to pay £30 million for Wilfred Zaha. It's just no. won't happen. No. You spoke about strong characters. David, you, you work quite closely with Ronald Koeman during mm. the European Championships. What's your impression of him and what he's doing at Everton? Well, 
He's a very clear-thinking man. He's a very strong-minded man. He knows what he wants from people in life and, by his own admission, finds it easy to tell people what he wants. So, at times, he doesn't seek popularity in the dressing room, the boardroom or anywhere else. There's that Dutch arrogance. Yeah, there, there is that thing. Um, and I'll, t I'll tell you, a, a, I promise you a true story, even if you think it's crazy. <laughs> the first time I ever met him, he was a Barcelona player playing at Old Trafford in a European game. And through a Dutch colleague of ours, he had uh, arranged for me to see Ronald Koeman at the Barcelona Hotel. So I went to see him as arranged at two o'clock the day before the Manchester United game. And Ronald Koeman ordered a pint of lager with me. And I sat there <laughs> thinking, and I'm drinking water because I'm driving home. But I said, are you sure? And he went, yeah, yeah, I can have a beer before the game. And the Barcelona president and directors came in after their lunch to see me doing this interview. And I looked and said, do you want to swap? You know, glasses. So he said, "No, no, no, no." He said, "I could be in my room having a beer. I will sit here with you having a beer." And there was just this complete, candid honesty to the fella that that's how it is. I'm having a beer, and of course, he was hell of a player as well. Mm. Now, where you go with him, I think uh, there there is a little crossroads for Everton this year. Mashiri's come in as the uh, new investor. It's set up that he will take control of the club. The question is, will he deliver what Ronald Koeman thinks he's going to have delivered, which could transform where Everton are if they back him and if they're going to get the players in. It's a huge, huge challenge, but there's going to be a crossroads for them. Because you get the impression that Everton at the moment, OK, the seventh, that's probably about right. Then they're knocking their heads against the glass ceiling, aren't they? Lukaku, a lot of talk about Manchester United being interested in him. He's got in one of the, let's say, the uh, slipperiest agents around, yeah. you can see him going. Now, what does that say about Everton? Well, it, it, it'll be a huge blow to them. Although, there is a school of thought around Goodison that his goals uh, align a little bit. He's not that good. You know, he needs to work harder. Don't see it myself. You know, if, mm. goals are the only things that count for a striker. Mm. A bigger downer for them would be if Tottenham come in for Barkley, as it's been mm. discussed. Although, having said that, Koeman has lots of issues with Barkley's game and the way he's developed, mm. and he's not overly sold on him. So, you know, you could see him going out the exit door. But if those two things happen, Everton would have to spend an awful lot of money in the transfer market, and, um, and, and, and Koeman has have to have uh, control. I mean, they, they keep telling you that they are going to spend a lot of money, mm. So, we'll you know, wait and see. flag one thing. I could see Ronald Koeman doing. I could see him calling Lukaku's bluff, saying you've two years, you're not going for another year. Mm. So you've mm. now Barkley's different because he's then going into the last year. He's yeah. so if you're saying one of them's going to go, I could see Ross Barkley potentially leaving, mm -hmm. and him saying, "Okay, Lukaku, you want to get out? You've yeah. two years to go. We let you go after another season, and force the hand." Yeah, one of the you know, standout games when the Premier League resumes, Tony, is the Merseyside derby. Mm. What state are Liverpool in, in, in terms of preparing for that you know, tribal right? Well, I think, I think uh, uh, the Liverpool roller coaster is, is back on its way up at the moment. Uh, I think people have come away from the, uh, the, the last two games, you know, four points. Uh, they might have got a little bit lucky against Burnley and uh, against City. 
there's a feeling that they more or less matched them and could have won the game. So everyone will be feeling good the way it's always is at Danfield. And there's, there's a little bit of delusion still going on there. Everton will be uh, a, a particularly uh, difficult test, test because the way they set up. And, and they'll, you know, Koeman will be... Um, Koeman will be very keen to exploit Liverpool's weaknesses and certainly get behind the front four, front five and run at those uh, the central defenders especially. But on the other hand, there's always a moment with Everton in the derby, well, there has been for a long while, there's a moment when they remember who they are and they remember who Liverpool are. And, you know, and games turn then and three points to Liverpool. Well, <laughs> that's, that's your Twitter feed sorted out for the day anyway. What about um, Liverpool? You know, we've talked a lot in the past about Philip Coutinho. There's mm. a lot of talk about Barcelona. He seems to have been slightly off the boil. Well, he, Coincidence? He, well, I think it's post-injury, Mike. Pre-injury, he was, and he, he has the talent to be an outstanding. I mean, really, he's a really gifted young footballer who can be a match winner for you. The issue you've got with him is, since he's come back from the injury, he's looked half a yard off the pace, and the little things he delivered. I mean, when, there was a case yesterday in, uh, when he was playing at, at, in Manchester, and he's delivering a free kick, and he completely overhits the free kick, mm. and, it, and it flies sort of, not a bit, 10, 15 yards beyond mm. the back post where the, the, you know, the, the mm. last Liverpool players. And you just think, for the quality that Coutinho's got, that's not him. You know, that, mm. that's not, he's not on his game yet. But clearly Klopp is working on the basis... The best way of getting him, and obviously subbed him later, but the best way of getting him right is to keep him in the team. And he, he, and he, that boy has qualities that he's a potential match winner. He, he's a long way from the, the, the finished product. He's very direct. Yeah. Love, love how direct he is. He's always looking to get the ball into the box or shoot. But you know, back when people were talking about him going to Barcelona, I'm like, Barcelona really? Mm. Yeah. Look at Emre Chan. Mm. Very, very good against City. But I always get the impression that. Liverpool need Jordan Henderson. Without a doubt, Jordan Henderson had some dynamism and uh, an effort. He takes a lot of stick from the fans, which I've never quite understood. He, he, he does an awful lot of work protecting Milner at, at left back. Um, you know, against City is the sort of game where Emery Sham will shine. But it's, it's not a congested midfield. The ball's not pinging about there. You don't have to have a snap to the ball. He's playing against the only man with a with a, uh, a larger turn and circle than him and Yaya Torre. <laughs> and, you know, it was, a, it was like, you know, it was um, survival of the slowest there, wasn't it, in that <laughs> midfield? Um, so, you know, he's he, he, against Everton, I think you'll find it far more difficult. He didn't have a good game at Goodison. And uh, I said, you can pass the ball around him. And what Henderson does, Henderson gets you up and down and side to side and breaks a lot of stuff up. Mm. Let's look at Manchester United, David. Five points behind Liverpool, mm. two games in hand. Um, Jose Mourinho has done a 12-page interview in France football for, on Tuesday's edition mm. in which he uh, characterises himself as the calm one. Mm. Could have fooled me. Totally. Absolutely. But Jose does keep sort of recreating himself in different guises. Um, I think you can see progress in what you know they've been trying to achieve this year and obviously they've got a, a trophy in the locker already. Um, I think it's an intriguing one. I, I, I can see why he's going for the the next target's winning the Europa League to get into the Champions League because they're going to face so many fixtures with you know catching up with games and if the, it's going to be very tough for them to hit the top four mm. the way that they're going. But 
the way they keep grinding things out. And it's got to be said, the number of players, because Manchester United's senior squad, I would argue, is probably the best in the Premier League now in terms of numbers, Depth. experience. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing, yeah. what they've got. Um, and, you know, you may say, well, now he doesn't appear to want to pick Wayne Rooney and others. You know, these people drift in and drift out. But you look at the actual the numbers of experienced pros he can call on. Mm. And I've got to say, for me, one of the stars of the season, one of the unsung heroes, is Antonio Valencia. Valencia's had an incredible year, and yet still gets very few mentions about, well, who have been the great right-backs and people who can mm. bomb on. And He's had a great year. So I think Man U will finish strongly. I think Mourinho can guide them through that, whether they'll end up in the top four, but I think you, he's right, the Europa League's the target. I, well, I think that one of the problems with Manchester United is the people who have had great years. What 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 they bring to us is is a little bit of liability as well. I mean, Valencia has been superb going forward, He's vulnerable at the back. You know, and that back four. You know, any any back four with Phil Jones in is always going to have problems. <laughs> you know, it's a, but but again. Ibrahimovic, who's a magnificent player and has been superb. You know, he's lit up the Premier League. And we'll get another year. Yeah, he will get another year, but he slows them down. I mean, if you look at them against Middlesbrough, you know, where they've got, you know, uh, Lingard and Rashford in there mm. with all that pace, you know, that, that you can see you can see defences backpedalling, better defences than Middlesbrough will struggle against their but pace. But none of those, none of them, Tony have that lethal life for goal, that Ibrahimovic, the, you know, the number of oh, goals, yeah, above, yeah. that's what he offers you, that mm. presence in there and his technical ability, he is superb. I agree, he doesn't have the things, but Rashford doesn't finish like Ibrahimovic mm. yet. Mm. Well, Martial, though, is, uh, yeah. well, if, if you can get him back into the team, he is a finisher. Mm. Let's look at um, England, because it is mm. United-related to a degree. Mm. Um, Gareth Southgate's come in, no more Mr Nice Guy. We mentioned Walcott being sidelined. Looks like the end for Wayne Rooney. Well, yeah, I think um, he's, he's reached uh, the natural point in his career where it's um, you know he's not going to be first choice for England. He's not going to be captain for England. He's not going to be first choice for Manchester United. And he's had a, a, a tremendous career, but he has been shown signs of decline for a couple of years. And it, you know it's difficult for him to arrest it when Mourinho's not picking him on a week-to-week -week basis. So it makes sense to me for Southgate to have him around as part of the squad and mm. certainly to provide some sort of sense of uh, elder statesmanship, mm. if not leadership mm. on the pitch. And, um, you know, and I, th I think you'd be mad to discard him from the squad, but you've got to be looking to go forward. You've got to be looking forward to, to where we'll be this time next year uh, with a World Cup looming. Yeah. I've been impressed with Gareth Southgate since I knew him as a, mm. you know, a kid at Crystal Palace, mm. where he actually wanted to be a sports journalist. You know, God help him. Mm. Um, if you look at him now, have the FA actually stumbled into the right candidate? Because here's someone who understands what's coming through. He agrees with the system. So, you know, he's well prepared and well versed in what is a distinctive job. At the moment, given what we can see with English football, he is the perfect appointment because, forget the golden generation we've talked about, you know, with the, the, the last remnants with probably Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard there, we've seen Scholes and Beckham go before that, but they've gone. If you look at it now, Wayne Rooney was in there, Wayne Rooney's been binned quite rightly by Gareth Southgate. So in effect, 
you've got to look at a different type of players, those who've come through the under-18s, under-21s, probably not had a spectacular time. And, you know, people could say, well, Dele Alli's doing great and he's only... Young. But he came out of MK Dons. You know, Harry Kane had been out alone in a mm. load of places. Mm. So they tend to be more grounded players, probably without the illustrious, you know, in the Liverpool team at 16, 17, he's going to be the next whatever... This is a much more grounded scenario, and I think he's perfect for that. The danger is, of course, before we then suggest that Gareth is going to be the best England manager since Sir Alf, the danger is those players will decide how he is perceived mm. in years to come, and they will be the ones who get found out as, are they ever going to be good enough? Yeah. Will we, Tony? And this is a question for ourselves more than anything else. Will the balloon go up if England get beaten badly in Germany on Wednesday? Um, there's always a little bit of hysteria around England. You know, it's going to happen anyway. But I don't think, I, I don't think it will be too much of an issue. I don't think they'll get beaten too badly. I think um, I, one of the problems, you know, I, I agree with David, talking about the golden generation. The golden generation were, in fact, the most selfish bunch of stiffs ever to be gathered under an England cap, they all thought the team should be built around them and none of them were prepared to subvert the game to each other. And the managers were a little bit like that as well. They, you know, they bought into it and, you know, and, um, you know, none of them got a grip on the team ethic. One of the things where Gareth Southgate is, is, is lucky in such a way, he's got a lot of youth, he's got a lot of pace. The, the egos, by comparison, are relatively small. And, um, and he's got a, 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 a better connection with the players and the players of the, the, this generation than perhaps some of the previous managers had with their generation. So I think it, he's, he's got them moving in the right direction. Um, yes, there's always hysteria around England, and they're certainly nowhere near uh, a World Cup winning team at the moment. But given, South, given what Southgate's got, they can be a lot closer to it than they have been by this time next year. And will uh, Jermaine Defoe be part of that you know, bold new future? 34 years old... You know, when he went to the major MLS, we all thought, well, that's it then, see mm. you later. But he's come back. He's the only player that Sunderland have really got, isn't he? Mm. Well, he's, he does what comes naturally to him. He scores goals. So, mm. in the circumstance, let's, let's be candid, if it hadn't been for a striker's crying off, Jermaine Defoe would not be in an England squad now. But on his current form, yes, he deserves the call. Am I saying current form? He's not scored for a few games now for Sunderland, but... In the form of the season, yes, he deserves it. We're kidding ourselves if we think Jermaine Defoe's the future. He gets us through a tight mm. situation over the next two games. But once the others are back, I don't think Jermaine Defoe, I don't think Gareth Southgate would present him as, this is my long-term solution now. Mm. Injury crisis call-up. Yeah. Sunderland, though, mm. if we're talking about crises, mm. uh, it looks like uh, the, the owner is going to stay with... David Moyes, one win in 13, notwithstanding that. Mm. They look nailed on to go down, don't they? Oh, yeah, they're, they're a mess. The one, the one thing that's shocked me a little bit is how disorganised they are at the back. I mean, compared to, uh, you know, to when Allardyce went in there, the one thing mm. he did was get the back four, he got a better structure. They look like a pre-Allardyce team. They're, they're mm. all over the place. And uh, there's, there's a lot of players there who... Uh, in an ideal world, they'd need to get rid of next year in the championship. Uh, he's decided to stick with Moyes, it looks that way, for, uh, to bring them back up. It's going to be a tough ask. Mm. If you look at that, you know, they look to me like a bang average championship team at the moment. Yeah, 
great club, great support. You know, means, unbelievable. Yeah, support. means so much to that community. Mm. You know, stick with it mainly through thin and thin. Um, but you have got a club that's up for sale, so you've mm. not got an American investor who wants to put two dimes in the place. You've just got, and I've got to say, that's the, been probably one of the biggest problems David Moyes has had to face, which is lack of investment to even shake things up yeah. and where they've been stripping the team, selling people, and basically the owners said, there's nothing coming back to you now. So David's had to work with that. I hate to say it, Mike, but Sunderland are getting what happens when you lack any real mm. change in investment, any change of recruitment policy, and you, you've been going down the pan. So the normal thing is, and it would, would happen with Sam, it happened with uh, Advocar, you end up with this suddenly a Sunderland rally. You don't see it this time, do you? No, you, I mean, eventually it'll fail. And, you know, the whole recruitment system has been, uh, it's been very flawed there for the best part of five years. I mean, this, this storm has been building. And, um, and I don't think there's any will from the owner to actually change things no. and get moving in the right direction, which is mad, because if they go down, suddenly the golden goose is dead. Mm. Let's look at uh, the whole relegation picture. Mm. You, know, you mentioned Big Sam. It looks like Palace are getting they've the got Big a bit Sam of, effect. They've got now. some mm. impetus now, haven't they? Yeah. At last. It's taken yeah. a while, but they're getting it. Burnley, Bournemouth, moving away. Mm. If any team is going to get dragged in, what about Watford? I was just going to say, Mike, it's a team that you, as a boy, used to go and see. They're on 31 points now, I think, and you can see how many Chelsea in the top one or two are taking. This season, you may find 35 gives you safety. I think it's going to be quite a low number. So Watford are on 31. They are the ones you would see as being in danger. But I've got to say so they're one win and a point away from right. it and they've got Sunderland next yeah exactly <laughs> so my I look at that bottom probably the bottom four and I think the three to go down will come from it invariably the three with the worst goal differences go down if you look at that now that would actually see Swansea go down that's mm. where you'd be and Middlesbrough will get out Swansea in you know in the BT's sport game on Saturday looked to me to almost like be betwixt and between. They were almost too defensive to mm. actually make make the best of their, their natural strengths. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's probably part of the, the learning process, you know, the the you know but if the if the if they get the defence sorted, they should be alright. I mean, having said that, what tends to keep teams up at this time of year as goals mm. um, so you know if, if they don't concede because at the beginning of the season or you know you talk about the goal difference they were just leaking and leaking mm, and leaking mm. uh, that they've, they've stopped that so at least give them a platform and they, and they had a run of you know two or three decent results but it's on the back of Lorenzi scoring goals mm. you know that's mm. what you need somebody comes good like that now I mean you know, there's a great example great Spanish striker who can finish but he isn't going to run around channels and close, but mm. that is not his game. Mm. But if you get him in the box, and particularly in the air, he's dynamite. Mm. So they've got to find ways to supply him and keep him fit, yeah. and then you've got the chance. The thing that impresses me about uh, Paul Clement is you know, he is a product of a certain culture. You know, the analyst was talking the other week that when you know, Bob Bradley was there, the opposition report was about five pages. Mm -hmm. With Clement, it's 30 pages. So they are looking at it, you know, every dot and comma matters in their preparation. Is that enough to keep them up? Um, 
I don't think at this stage that'll be enough to keep them up. But I think uh, if they can get the ball to Lorenzi and they can get Sigurdsson mm. on, on the end, end of, uh, the, the edge of the box, that'll be enough. They've got they've got two goal scorers there. You get platform with a, a, a good defence, get the ball up to them, they'll, they'll, they'll be no problem. Mm. What about Hull City, David? Well, they had the rally, didn't they? They changed manager and Mickey Phelan went and things and some of the results were cup ties, etc. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, they weren't getting any points for them. It looks as if that's true to it. Again, a club that's been... They've attempted to sell it. They've been selling off their main assets and they're getting what... And I was just saying they deserve because I'm sure you know some of their players have been working the socks off trying to turn it round and the new coach came in and offered some suggestion of success. But it's petered out. I, I, that's where I think I think they and Sunderland are two that are going to go down. Mm -hmm. you know, it's I mean, two of the three. They started the season in a crisis. They didn't have enough no. players. And when they did get enough players, there wasn't enough quality there. I mean, I'm surprised they've made such a good fist of it. Correct. And, um, you know, I, I, think, I think they've actually punched above the weight at times this season. Mm. But sadly, they're going down. Mm. Middlesbrough's next three games in eight days. Uh, Swansea, Hull and Burnley. Mm. Now, that, that is their chance. That is Absolutely. Their, their chance. Have they made the right choice in one, sacking Karanka, but two, giving the job to his number two, Steve Agnew? Well, I've got a lot of time for Steve Gibson in the sense of he's been a very loyal chairman in the past and he's been great for that club. The best the, owner in the Absolutely, in the, the money's ploughed in. He must have had real grounds for the grievance against Karanka to say this has got to end. The one that surprised me, and I must admit this, he's always said that the best captain and the on-field leader they ever had in his time there was Nigel Pearson. When they made the change, I honestly thought Pearson would end up going back in mm -hmm. because they're going back in, going in as manager this time, a head coach, because I thought Steve knows him. Nigel can be a prickly character, he can be difficult, but because of the relationship, because of what they knew and the fact that Pearson knows that club, I thought that was tailor-made and obviously he does have a track record with Leicester of keeping teams up. So I thought that was the one I would have seen. I think the Steve Agnew thing is much more, uh, well, it's riddled with issues over can he command the respect in the dressing room? Will he drive them forward? Yeah, he's got a lot of experience as a, as a lesser coach. For me, I, I was amazed that they didn't just put Pearson in. Mm. Fatal mistake? I think so. I think so. Um, I... I it's 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 a tough job there because I mean I saw them at Crystal Palace and they were woeful. Mm. Um, you know they were they were completely disorganised at the back. And um, to be fair, Karanka tried to play a three at the back and it didn't work. But they they never got organised for the rest of the game and certainly not in going forward. Um, you know you you your professional up there, Stuart Downer, mm. going down. So if we wrap up, you're three to go down. Three to go down. I think it's uh, Sunderland, uh, Middlesbrough and Hull. David? I think it's definitely Sunderland and Hull. I think the other one is dependent on this Middlesbrough. It will be either Middlesbrough or Swansea. So let's then look upwards. Hmm. Who's going to make the top four? I think it's probably going to be as it is now. I think, uh, obviously, Chelsea have walked away with it. Tottenham are going to finish second, notwithstanding Harry Kane's injury. I think City will be third, uh, City third and Liverpool fourth. Okay. 
I think there's one scenario I could see change. I think the top two will stay there. So you've got Chelsea, Tottenham. I think the Manchester derby could be critical to this. Mm. I still think United could nick fourth place, in which case it would be a get over City. I think Liverpool will stay in the top four. Now, I think it's changing all the time. But for me, United to sneak into the top four with Chelsea, Spurs and City. As for relegation, bye-bye Sunderland, Middlesbrough and Hull. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.